0: $47 billion. That was the worth of WeWork at its peak. Just a few months later, though, the valuation dipped almost 90%. What happened? The markets,
1: they never stop, but neither do we. You're listening to Fluid Finance. Welcome to another episode of the Fluid Finance Podcast. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. We're diving deeper into the disaster known as WeWork.
0: So before we talk about the actual company, WeWork, let's talk about the founder. His name is Adam Newman, and he was born in 1979 in Israel. So he was born to a fairly well-off family. Um, his dad was a physician, and his mom was also pursuing the same. They moved to the United States when he was about seven years old because his mom had had to do Um, residency um, you know for her physician job and it wasn't really a very smooth transition to the United States for Adam. The US
1: is a big place and I think he's also suffered from dyslexia right it couldn't have been an easy transition.
0: Yeah absolutely He, he was dyslexic and besides that the whole change in environment from Israel to the United States obviously for a young seven year old wasn 't easy you know ru- rumor has it that he couldn 't read and write until he was about in third grade so it was it wasn't easy for him, but they did move back to Israel after his mum completed a residency about after about four years um, and this was obviously a welcome return for adam but fast forward a couple of years from then, and he had joined the Israel Navy where he was actually honorably discharged as a captain after he served for five years so that was a pretty cool thing after that though he moved to New York and he was living with his sister who was a model and he also enrolled in business school because he had some sort of an inclination towards you know business but most of that inclination wasn't really to get a degree as such but it was more of an entrepreneurial bug that he had so he did eventually start his own businesses and the first of which was i think it was a woman's shoe brand
1: he was trying to do something different there right he was doing something proprietary and trying to revolutionize how women's heels work am i right
0: yeah he he was actually trying to completely change the game so he would say but that eventually failed
1: it's a hyper competitive industry
0: yeah massive massive competition there like it's so hard to, you know, create a name for yourself. And I guess that's what he wanted to do. But uh, after that, he also ventured into children's clothing. Um, he was trying to invent proprietary technology in the form of uh, knee pads incorporated into clothes for children, for toddlers that were crawling to make it easier.
1: I'm pretty sure I've seen something like exactly like that on Shark Tech.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Like, I can't put my finger on it, but I, I mean... That also met the same fate and it eventually failed. But you know, for all of his demeanor and all of his inclination towards business school, he eventually dropped out. Um and while he was not as successful an entrepreneur yet, he was extremely charismatic and that often was a useful trade when trying to read in investors. So, his first big move came when he partnered with Miguel McKelvey, who was an architect, and they founded Green Desk in May of 2008. So, Green Desk was essentially the first version of WeWork, it was a co working space. Um, Adam had, had a, work, a workspace which he had leased, but most of the entire place where he actually worked was empty. Like, it was like a big warehouse, and it was empty. You know, he had just one corner of it because that's all he could afford at the time. So he had this brilliant idea and he approached his landlord and he asked if he could sublease parts of the warehouse. The idea was to sublease it from, from the landlord and then further lease that to other tenants looking for business working space. So he began looking for tenants to rent out these spaces to form essentially the first working space. For Adam Newman, soon enough, him and his business partner Miguel were renting out over a hundred office spaces for anywhere between $350 to $2,400 a month. And eventually, the two decided to sell the business to the landlord and cash out, wanting to start on a clean slate. This clean slate
1: began to be known as WeWork. So, in 2010, Adam and Miguel finally founded what we know as WeWork. The origins of the company were based on Adam's experiences from his time living in Israel. He used to stay in communal living spaces and hence the company was really focused on on community and communal aspects. They were a fairly data-reliant company, focusing on technology in the way they worked. Gathering information about how their tenants worked and what features they most used, among other data sets, were used to ascertain where to build next. And where they, you know, where there's higher demand for property for these co-working spaces. Soon enough, the company received massive backing, why investments from SoftBank, Benchmark Capital, Amazon, and even J.P. Morgan. By far, the biggest backer, however, was Masayoshi Son,
0: the same guy that invested in, I think, the Chinese company Alibaba. Was it? Exactly.
1: He was the famous investor who gave a young Jack Mark fifteen million dollars to fund his venture company, Alibaba.
0: I think he probably eight thousand xed his return on that, right? What were the actual numbers?
1: That investment was worth over a hundred and thirty billion dollars as of twenty eighteen.
0: That's that's absolutely staggering.
1: Most of the Chinese companies actually have done phenomenally well and the people who invested with them are billionaires today.
0: I guess that's why they're the one of the fastest growing economies on the planet.
1: Son had a brief twelve minute meeting with Adam Newman. I know, it sounds small for a massive investment, but it led him to invest $4.4 billion in Weaver.
0: Yeah, I guess for, for a man that can 8,000x his investment 12 minutes is probably what he has time for.
1: Exactly. So Son really believed in Newman, which gave the latter, that being Newman, a lot of confidence. But perhaps that was the reason as to why it all came crumbling down for Adam. Adam, Newman and Weaver were obsessed with growth. And I think it's very important to understand that growth always comes at a cost. Always. So they believed in the philosophy of growth at all cost, which sounds great, but you don't realize the impact that philosophy can have on the financial statements of a company. They deployed money rapidly from their investments and they acquired and ran 847 locations across 120 cities globally, months within their starting. And they also had the biggest private office, in Manhattan and central London at one point. Just imagine the costs
0: for those beasts. Just imagine being the largest landlord in Manhattan and central London. I think they were doing over a million square feet, you know, like maybe six, seven months into the company being funded by SoftBank and so on. So WeWork's business model, however, was, you know, it was was very different um, to what it was described as uh, by the founders. So we work while commonly described as a tech company, mostly by founders and employees, it wasn't really a tech company. At the end of the day, when you know everything is said and done, they essentially are landlords. okay they're very tech driven, very data driven you know because it helps them make better business decisions. But think of any top company in today's world, whether it's a a business selling clothes or an investment firm or literally even children's clothes, at the end of the day, they're all reliant on data from their customers, you know, based on what they like, what they don't like. They use all of that to make better business decisions. It's the only smart thing to do for any business, right? So this wasn't necessarily anything proprietary. The subleasing industry in general isn't necessarily the most lucrative industry to work in, owing to the very high overheads involved in running any of these businesses. So how was a mega landlord business supposed to make explosive returns and achieve magnanimous scale, like tech companies such as Amazon? Despite billions of dollars of funding, WeWork wasn't even close to turning a profit, like not not even half a mile, half a country mile, it wasn't even close. The curtain was about to fall on the facade of WeWork. The company did have some inherent risks with its business model. Most building leases today and back then even were about three to five years. So if you and I wanted to go and lease out a building, most likely we'd be doing a deal for three to five years because that's in favor of our risk appetite as well as the the landlord. WeWork, however, had an average lease tenure of 15 years, which is three to five times.
1: And there was a reason behind this, right? Many people didn't believe that WeWork's model was entirely scalable. They knew of the subleasing industry and they knew how competitive it was. So when Adam went to them asking for these leases, they sort of denied Adam from having these leases. Many of the landlords did. So him being the risk-taking person he was said, you know what? Your average lease is three to five years. I'm going to go triple, quadruple that for you. I'm going to make it 15 years.
0: Exactly. And that was one of, you know, that was pretty much a deal you couldn't say no as a landlord because this is very problematic for uh, we work as a company, but it was great for the landlord. Because think about it. it doesn't matter how much, you know, the spaces were occupied. It doesn't matter what their occupancy was. The landlord would be getting a fixed amount every year. So effectively, they were reliant on property prices being high and in-demand to sustain their spending. Considering the cyclical nature of the real estate industry, as made obvious by crashes such as the 2008 bubble, this was not necessarily the safest or even half-safe a bet. When occupancy dipped too low or property prices fell, we work would be bleeding money like a waterfall. You know, honestly,
1: I like to think of WeWork as a hotel more than anything. Occupancy rates are super important, even to them.
0: Absolutely, I, I totally agree.
1: So when we were planned to go public via an IPO in September 2019, just three or so years ago, and this was when the real issues with the company began to come to light. As we know, IPOs require prospectuses to be released, and the public gets to know what they need to.
0: And judging by the hype we've just witnessed in 2021 and 2022, Everybody should be, you know, reading every syllable of their prospectus.
1: Softbank's share price was under pressure. This led them to backpedal from an intended investment of 18 billion in WeWork down to just $2 billion. This caused panic, as it naturally would, and a stir amongst potential investors, as they perceived this as master was beginning to lose faith in his investments. So during an IPO application, a prospective company literally goes public. As I mentioned earlier, they have to declare financial information, their prospectus, and everything in between to these potential investors, be it retail investors or institutional. However, when their finances were revealed, questions about their $47 billion valuation really arose.
0: It's crazy just thinking about these numbers, 47 billion, I mean, I don't even know how many zeros that is until I write it down.
1: It was revealed that the company lost nearly $5,000 every time they acquired a customer, which caused its valuation to plunge by an enormous 80%, down to under $5 billion.
0: So that's pretty much like saying every dollar of revenue they made, they lost 50 cents on it.
1: The company was burning through millions of dollars a day and several hundred a quarter.
0: That's an insane burn rate to even fathom. But it wasn't just... The company that investors were doubting or their business model. It was a lot to do with the actual CEO and founder, Adam Newman. Adam was once hailed as a revolutionary businessman with the vision and acumen that only few could wish to possess. But now he was dealing with his character being questioned in the very public eye, in newspapers and in media outlets on TV, because of certain shady business dealings. For starters, he trademarked the word WE and had WEWORK pay him $5.9 million in licensing fees. That's a
1: massive red flag. When you see directors of a company and that are getting paid massive amounts from the company itself, you know there's something shady going on.
0: Yeah, especially if your company's never turned a profit. It's not like it was a regular dividend payment, right? Exactly. Alcohol was not an alien concept to Newman. He believed in him and his employees working hard and playing hard. Therefore, tequila bottles worth hundreds of dollars were always within reach for any employee, pretty much.
1: All I can imagine is the wolf of Wall Street in my head right now.
0: That's exactly what you'd think. But if anything, this is at least he was profitable.
1: Mm -hmm, Pretty much.
0: A few weeks after firing 7% of his staff in the year 2016, Newman held a meeting with his employees. He told his staff that the cuts were necessary for WeWork to continue to grow. And this was followed by several rounds of shots of tequila for the employees.
1: Now, I don't know about you, but that comes as a shock to me.
0: When I fire someone, I feel sad about it. Exactly. That's what you'd feel, right? You'd feel grief because you were paying them. They were sustaining their livelihood with that salary. But now you're celebrating this. But there's more. Besides this, he also organized a famous musician to perform at their office. I think he was a rapper. And, you know, a few employees enjoyed the the alcohol and the dances and they danced as well. But others stood and watched. They were very bewildered that firing 7% of the company uh, for cost cutting was being followed by spending tens of thousands on ludicrous, unnecessary items like expensive alcohol and musical performances. Just weeks apart, that too. Adam also owned a few properties, which he leased to WeWork for fairly high amounts. I mean, not significantly higher, but relatively higher. And more than anything, this was a very clear conflict of interest.
1: This this is all something that came to light when the financial statements were released, because directors' remuneration and compensation were all mentioned there.
0: Exactly. And it, it obviously would be shocking to anybody who's, you know, all these years they've seen WeWork being painted as some you know, it was a unicorn by today's standards or any standards, it had a valuation of more than a billion dollars, but you'd think a company that that is so highly valued in monetary value would actually be doing something really, really cool, right? Besides, okay, maybe they're not profitable, but you wouldn't expect stuff like this from a company that's not profitable. Very shady business practices. But that wasn't enough. He also borrowed millions of dollars from WeWork with interest rates that were generally below 1%, which is nothing.
1: These are known as arm's length transactions, and they can often be a conflict of interest.
0: At one point, he even bought a $60 million jet, which was, again, all over the news. Um, And the company went on to lose $1.6 billion that year. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate for one minute. He did need a jet, right? He, of course, needed a jet because he was traveling to Shanghai, Delhi, Oslo, all these places on a weekly basis, you know, sometimes with a gap of just a few days and with the jet lag and, you know, having to deal with investors, you, you, you understand that he needs a private jet because he can't afford to be late for these meetings. He can't afford to go through cancellation of flights, right? Which is fairly common in the aviation industry. But did he really need a $60 million jet when his company was losing like $3 billion when when they when they made two billion in revenue, I mean it's really not the the smartest thing to do, is it? One would say it's just more of his extravagance, right? Adam sold hundreds of millions of dollars of WeWork stock. Perhaps this suggests that he himself doesn't believe in the company that he founded and runs.
1: Seems like a lot of red flags to me.
0: Way too many, and you know you're not alone in that judgment because. His behavior was also described as eccentric and not at all fitting for that of the CEO of a publicly traded company. According to the accounts of former employees and friends, Adam once tried to smuggle cannabis from the United States to Israel in a private jet that he chartered. The crew found the stash in a cereal box upon landing and they immediately flew back without even taking Newman along. So they left him stranded there. That's actually kind of funny. I, I would say so.
1: With reports of Adam's shady dealings and business practices, there was extensive pressure for him to step down, which he was eventually forced to do in September of 2019, around the same time the company went public. Adam's severance package included a 450 to $500 million buyout, which might seem like a huge amount.
0: And it, and it is. It certainly is
1: but it's a far cry from the value of its stock, which was $14 billion at its peak. The investors, however, lost billions and billions of dollars, and the employees lost their jobs. Many of them accepted the lower salaries and stock options to compensate for that, but most of those ended up being worthless, When the company finally listed on the stock market for around $9 billion, a fraction of the previous proposed IPO valuation of $47 billion.
0: Wow, man, that's almost like 80-85% down.
1: That's just crazy. Today, WeWork's stock price has been hovering around $7 a share. And we have a news for you, Sandeep Matrani.
0: One of us. <laughs> exactly. Only on paper because he's actually American Indian.
1: But I think WeWork is a fascinating story because it tells us about companies and their extravagant CEOs and lifestyles and how often it can all come crashing down within seconds.
0: And I think, if anything, this story teaches us that, first of all, don't take anything for granted, right? And second, valuation isn't everything. At the end of the day, if you don't have cash flow, it's not going to be very sustainable.
1: I mean, today, when we see hundreds of unicorns come up across the world, not only in India, we have to keep in mind that yes, there might be companies with solid fundamentals and great investors, and they might be doing good things. But we have to keep in mind that a company is only as good as his leadership, and also that it's important that the company actually does earn money in the future. So when we look at unicorns, we shouldn't be fascinated by the idea, oh, that they've touched a $1 billion valuation.
0: So this was a story of how WeWork went from being one of the most valuable companies of all time that was not publicly listed to pretty much just another company listed on the stock market.
1: If you want to know more about WeWork, we highly suggest watching the documentary We Crashed on Apple TV+. Plus, It actually is a fascinating insight. Although a bit over dramatized for TV, it definitely gives you a good insight into what took place at WeWork before the debacle that we know today
0: and that was a deep dive into wework its business model and how it all came crashing down with adam newman thanks for listening see you next week